song, Trusting Him, Whate'er Befall. There's a lot that's covered in that statement. Whatever comes into life. And we sing, When the Way is Clear, uh, but so often it's hard when the path is drear. Amen. And trusting the Lord that His way is right, His way is perfect when things are hard. Uh, is a challenge, challenge to our faith, challenge to our confidence in the Lord and His character, and like Job, to have the faith and the trust that Job had when Job said, though He slay me, yet will I trust Him. That takes some growing of our faith and trials of life, and it's hard sometimes, but I am thankful the Lord is always faithful always faithful and he's there to comfort he's there to correct he's there to bring us through when we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring and aren't you glad that we can turn back to the lord that we can run to the lord trusting him whatever befall amen he's good all right take your bibles and turn to the gospel of luke again And this time I want you in Luke chapter 9. We're going to look toward the end of the chapter here in Luke chapter 9. We're going to read a story that is recorded in the scriptures for us of the disciples, the apostles of the Lord, those who walked very close to Jesus Christ, and we're going to see some of their human tendencies today, and we're going to make the application because we are a lot like them in many ways, and in most ways, we are human as well. And we're going to read this story about what you're going to find is that the apostles or the disciples were reasoning among themselves which of them would be the greatest. And we're going to talk about the issue or the root seed of pride that creeps up in our hearts, even when we don't see it or understand it. And Jesus is going to say to his disciples, you don't even know what spirit you are of. You can't see what you really look like. And we're not ju good judges of our own character so often. And, and so I want us to examine this portion of Scripture I'm going to talk about the issue of pride and what pride produces in our life when it brings forth fruit, what it will and can look like, and ask the Lord to bless His Word and ask the Lord to help us to understand it and even to make application today, okay? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that You bless the service and we are thankful for the Word of God that gives us instruction that's profitable for doctrine for correction, for reproof, for instruction in righteousness. And Lord, in the purpose of it is to grow us up into the image of Christ. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be sober about your word this afternoon. And we won't be long, but the truth is relevant. And may we apply it with a humble heart today. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you look at verse 46, and we'll read down through verse 56. 
Luke chapter 9 and verse 46, the Bible says, Then there arose a reasoning among them, which of them should be greatest. And Jesus, perceiving the thought of their heart, took a child and set him by him, and said unto them, Whosoever shall receive this child in my name receiveth me, and whosoever shall receive me receiveth him that sent me. For he that is least among you all, the same shall be great. And John answered and said, Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name, and we forbade him, because he followed not with us. And Jesus said unto him, Forbid him not, for he that is not against us is for us. And it came to pass, when the time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem, and sent messengers before his face, and, and, and they went and entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. And they did not receive him, because his face was set as though he would go to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, even as Elias did? But he turned and rebuked them, and said, Ye know not what manner of spirit ye are of. For the Son of Man is not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. There's a, a sense probably in all of us, to some degree, that we would have a desire to have some sort of significance. Uh, even a child wants to have some sort of significance in their family. They, they'd want to know where their place is. They want to to feel uh, as though they're valuable. And all of us have, to some degree, a sense uh, in which we want to have some significance. We want to have respect from other people. We, would, we like to have respect of others. We even, some of us, have desire to, to do something that matters, to, in what we might even call do something great. The disciples were not any different. And after being in the presence of Jesus and walking with Him in His ministry, experiencing His miracles, being part of uh, being His disciple, being those that, that follow Jesus, He was their master, He was their rabbi, He was their teacher, He was all of those things. We belong to Him. And after walking with Him and being in His presence, being inspired by His greatness, at times it seems as though the disciples quarreled among themselves as to who had more right to be closer to Jesus. They reasoned among themselves who would be greatest. At times, they even thought themselves to be special above that of others. We can see that in their responses. And Luke records an occasion for us just like this to, to give us some insight here and to help us also to understand that we are not immune to some of these same tendencies. And the danger and the problem was that the disciple pride was at the root of all of this. And the problem was they didn't even understand it in their own heart. And Jesus rebukes them and tells them, you don't even know what spirit, manner of spirit you are of. You can't even tell and see inside of yourself what you really are and what you look like. And the, the danger is that in the midst of all of that, there was a dangerous seed 
that was being planted, and it began to produce some pretty ugly fruit. The fruit was coming in their responses towards other people. They had a root of pride in themselves that was planting a seed. As it began to grow and as it it caused them to think a certain way, it caused them to respond towards other people in a way and in a spirit and in a manner that was not like Jesus Christ. They thought they were being spiritual. But in reality, Jesus says, you're not of the same spirit as me. And so I want us to, to look at this passage because this seed begins to produce a very ugly fruit. And the text reveals to us a shocking place in which it's found. I want you to notice here that it wasn't the curious crowds that Jesus was talking to. It wasn't the lost out there that's being highlighted in this passage. It was the Lord's disciples, the very ones who had the privilege of walking with the Lord and learning from Him, the very ones who heard Him say, Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart. The very ones who were to be followers of Christ and the spiritual ones. Now, they still had some learning to do, obviously. And I'm preaching on this passage because here's the, here's the, here's the point. If it can happen to them... I know it can happen to me, and I know it can happen to you. So I want to just draw out three things. Jesus said at the end, you don't know what manner of spirit you're of. And I want us to look at three spirits that are developed in this passage. First of all, understand their proud spirit. In verses 46 to 48, we see a demonstration of a proud spirit. In verse 46, there arose a reasoning among them, which of, which of them should be greatest. And Jesus, perceiving the thought of their heart, took a child and set him by him, and said unto them, Whosoever shall receive this child in my name receiveth me, and whosoever shall receive me receiveth him that sent me. For he that is least among you all the same shall be great." Here we find their proud spirit. This is where it all begins. The seed of pride being planted in the heart. And we need to understand what's happening here. What's happening here is not unlike what happens today. And truly, there's nothing new under the sun. They were human, just like we are human. We can make very clear application. Here we observe the Lord's disciples. These are the followers of Christ. This is not the curious multitudes. They were around, but Jesus is directing exactly what's going on to his disciples. These were the ones following closely with the Lord. These were preachers. We're just going to stop there for a second. (laughs) Maybe we could preach this at a preacher's conference or something at some point. I don't know. These are those closest to the Lord the ones who are to be the spiritual ones. And what are they doing? What are they doing? Well, the Bible tells us in verse 46, they are reasoning among themselves who the greatest one is. Perhaps they were arguing for themselves. I'm the greatest, and here's why. Because I'm the closest to Jesus, clearly. I'm better than all of you. Maybe they were reasoning for another. Well, I think, you know, James is the greatest because... Because James has this quality about him, and they're 
basically having a debate among themselves who is the greatest. Now, are we going to do that today? Are we going to have a powwow and all of us get together and just have a discussion about why we think we're better than everybody else? Now, I don't think that we're going to do that verbally, but I think we do that internally. More often than we want to admit. Either way, they had the reasons why they were right and the others were wrong. But either way, pride was at the root of it. And Jesus, with a simple illustration, confronts the root of pride. Notice in verse 47 what the Bible tells us. And Jesus, perceiving the thought of their heart, he knew what the issue was, he knew what they were thinking, and he knew why they were thinking it. There was pride there. Jesus, perceiving the thought of their heart, took a child and set him by him. The Bible tells us that Jesus, in order to address this issue with the disciples, takes a child and puts him next to him. Now, much like today, status and position were of most importance in the first century. It is today as well. Having status or position elevates us, right, in our culture so often. Every member of the family and society knew what his position was. And though children were loved and cared for, children were counted as as if they had no social status at all. You following this? Understand this? So it's very significant when Jesus takes a child and places him next to him. People of status are welcomed. They're honored. They're respected as social equals and social peers or even social superiors, etc. And Jesus, being the master, being the rabbi, he was the most honored of all. And I think it was a great shock to the disciples when they saw Jesus take a child and place this child on the same social status as himself. Jesus shows them where true greatness lies. Verse 48 At the end of verse 48, he says, For he that is least among you all, the same shall be great. Where is greatness in the eyes of God? The one who's least among you all. True greatness is found in a humble heart. Children were humble. Children had no social status. Children want to please And Jesus is trying to illustrate what it is that God sees as greatness in his eyes. It's a humble heart of servanthood and love for others that that elevates one into greatness with God. And when Jesus says least, he that is least among you, he's not talking about being socially inferior here. No, no. He's talking about and illustrating the one who is willing to take a lower place in order to lift up and encourage someone else. That is great in the eyes of God. Not exalting ourselves, 
above or over others. It's one thing to be an ambassador for Christ. Hey, I'm a, I'm a follower of Christ. I'm an ambassador of Christ. It's one thing to do that to, to the great and powerful people and have influence and move around among the powerful people. But it's another thing altogether to give our time and our attention to even a child who is not great in the eyes of men, who's not great in the sight of the world, but knowing that my service to them is, is something that might make an eternal difference in their soul and in their life. It's not beneath me, and it should never beneath, be, be beneath any of us to take a child and sit down with them here on the steps and have a conversation and have a hug and to have some interaction or to serve them. That's just a side note. And the reason we make that side note is because each one is important. Each one has value in God's sight. And so that's a side note here. But back to the issue, the problem with the disciples is that they had a proud spirit about them. They were wanting to elevate themselves with this recognition because they had this desire to do or be something great. And the problem was it, it was rooted from a proud heart, a proud spirit. But they couldn't see it. And let me make this application here, because as sure as water seeks the lowest level, pride always seeks the highest level. There they were, the Lord's disciples. These are the Lord's disciples. They were following Christ. They had connection to Jesus. They were close to Him. But that wasn't good enough that they just get to be the Lord's disciples. Some of them needed to make sure that everybody else knew the power ranking and where you rank compared to me. But you know what? We're not immune to that spirit. Sometimes it's not enough that we're privileged to serve the Lord. I'm saved by grace. I have an opportunity to serve God with my life. I'm so undeserving of it. Sometimes that's not enough to simply be privileged to serve the Lord. We find it necessary to make it known to our peers, to make it known to our family, why we are superior spiritually or otherwise compared to you. Why they are not as, quote, spiritual as I am. And boy, we're so ready to reason among ourselves who the greatest is. Now, here's the thing. We're not doing that face-to-face to those other individuals. Many times we're doing that as we talk to someone else about what's going on and how spiritual we are in this moment, and how they are wrong in that moment, and so on. you follow what I'm saying here? It's not face-to-face conversation as I'm reasoning why I'm better than you. I'm talking to somebody else about this and about that, and I'm elevating why I'm the spiritual one and they're not. But it's the same thing. Reasoning among ourselves who is greater, and pride is typically at the root. And so Jesus, who never misses, misdiagnoses a problem, 
He never uses the wrong illustration. He teaches them a lesson about humility. And if there were no other verses in the scriptures dealing with the dangers of pride and the blessings of humility, if we didn't have other examples like Samson and others in the Bible, the fa- these principles should be enough to, take a, to teach us a lesson and teach us to walk circumspectly and to examine our own heart and our own life. Because the Bible truly says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. And in the same breath, I say, oh, I'm not proud. I don't have pride in my life. What a terrible consequence comes with the spirit of competition among brethren. That's what was going on here, right? They were reasoning among themselves who was the greatest. What a terrible consequence comes with competition among the brethren. Now let's apply that inside of a New Testament church. Sometimes we become upset or we get jealous or we have a negative spirit towards others in our own group because so often they don't think the same as we do and I know I'm right and you're wrong. And if we don't agree, and if we're not on the same page, and we're not thinking exactly the same way about this situation, there's something wrong with you. Don't you see it? I'm the only one that sees it. And a spirit of competition begins to develop. And you know what comes with it? Terrible, terrible fruit. That's the seed of pride, and it's going somewhere, and it's going to produce something else. Our rivalries, when there is division or when there's contention, only by pride cometh contention. And when there are these spirits that are about us, that come and go and are amongst us, you know what it does? It creates those rivalries. And you know what our rivalries do? They draw attention away from Jesus Christ. He is the one who is to be preeminent. He is the one to be exalted. He is the one where our focus ought to be. And those rivalries draw attention away from Jesus. That's what the disciples were doing, actually. Reasoning among themselves. When the focus should have been on Jesus. We can do the same thing. We say, that's what we want. We say we want Jesus to have the preeminence. We say we want Jesus to be exalted and Him to be the focal point. But sometimes our actions don't really match up with what we say. I was reminded of the Peanuts cartoon strip and Linus. You remember Linus in the Peanuts cartoon strip? One day, his sister Lucy asked him what he wanted to be when he grew up. And he replied that he wanted to be a humble country doctor. And he says that what I'll do is I'll live in the city, and every day I'll get in my sports car, and I'll drive out into the country where I'll heal everyone. And in the last frame of that cartoon, he says that he will be a world-famous humble little country doctor. And I think so often our hearts 
are like that. Where we say, I want to be this, or this is, we say one thing, but our hearts are actually in a different place. In our hearts, we want to be this world-famous, humble servant of Jesus Christ. The root of pride is always there in the sinful flesh. There's more actually I want to say about this, but I'm sensing I need to move on for today. We're going to visit this subject again next week, Lord willing, where the Word of God exhorts us toward humility among the brethren. So we see what the root is with the disciples. They're reasoning among themselves who should be the greatest. Jesus takes a child of no social status at all and puts him on the same social status as Jesus. And Jesus says, the one who receives this child is the same that receives me. And then he says, those of you that would be least, those are actually the ones that are great. A humble heart before the Lord is what God considers greatness. So we see the proud spirit, but secondly, I want you to note the next level, the next step. Secondly, we see a judgmental spirit. Look in verse 49. What did that pride lead to? Well, the Bible says in verse 49, And John answered and said, Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name, and we forbade him because he followed not with us. Here we find a judgmental spirit. Now notice the response here. The Bible says that John answered. So as soon as Jesus sets the child and gives the illustration, all of a sudden John's got something to say. John answered. And it means that John responds to Jesus with what he thought was some important information. He says, Lord, we saw this person casting out devils in your name, And we forbade him because he didn't walk with us. You notice that? He wasn't in our group, is what he's saying. But too often, I've been in the same position as John. Where there's something about me that needs some correction, but instead of listening to the correction, instead of receiving that instruction, I feel the need to justify myself. And so I have a response. And so in verse 49, John immediately assures Jesus of the spiritual discernment that he had. The spiritual discernment that he was displaying. Jesus, I've got to tell you this. This guy thought he was doing something in your name, but I told him, no, you can't do that. Because you're not with us. You're not in our group. He thought he was being spiritual. But in reality, he wasn't. But I want you to notice something. I want you to notice the standard they used to make that judgment. Look in verse 49 again. John answered and said, Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name, and we forbade him because he followed not with us. What's the standard of judgment that is being used here by John? You see it? You notice the we and the us? That was the standard of judgment that was being used. They skimmed over the part 
where the man was doing his, uh, what he was doing in the Lord's name, in Jesus' name. They skimmed right over that part, but they zoomed in on the part where he was not with us. And I'm simply saying to you, friend, brothers and sisters, pride is going to go somewhere. The seed of pride being planted in the heart leads to how something else in the way that we respond to others. And what was being displayed here was a judgmental spirit towards other people. And if we do not repent of pride in our lives, we're going to end up the same way. Judgmental. Judgmental, angry people. But here's the thing. Most of the time, we use ourselves as the standard of what is right and judge others accordingly. Come on. When I'm nitpicking, and when I'm finding fault, and when I'm la 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 about all this that's going on and the things that I don't like, what standard am I using to make that judgment? Because the question is, whatever's being done, is that actually wrong? Is that something that Jesus says don't do? Is that something that the Word of God spells out for us? No, we shouldn't act that way or behave that way. Or is it something that's personal? I just don't like it. I just don't think it should be that way. What standard of judgment are we using? Pride is rooted in our heart. We cannot see what we really are or what it's producing, and all of a sudden we start to become judgmental people towards others. And here was one who was doing something. They were trying to serve, and they were doing it in the Lord's name. But it wasn't the same as what I think. It wasn't the same as what I would do. And so John says we forbade him because he wasn't with us. Back in our text here, after John says this, he's probably waiting for some sort of commendation from Jesus at that point. Because here they are reasoning among themselves as who should be great, and Jesus says the least among you is what's great. And John said, here's some important information, Jesus. And he tells him this great thing that he did that he thought was spiritual, and maybe he's waiting for some sort of response from Jesus at this point that's going to really make him feel good. Like, hey, good job, John. It's great spiritual discernment you had there. I'm glad you took care of that. Glad you, you've got it figured out and what's going on. You, you took control. That's really good. But that's not the response that Jesus gave, is it? If we look at the text... I'm assuming here, and I'm thinking that this response probably was not something he was expecting. And Jesus plainly says to him, forbid him not. In other words, or in short, Jesus says, don't do that. Don't do that. Now, I'm going to give you a side note here because 
This is not teaching that we should never judge at all or make judgments. The Bible does say, by their fruits, ye shall know them. This is not a license to compromise, like when we're talking about, you know, other churches or the way that they do things and so on, and we're not to judge that, and so we'll just bring in everything and everyone, and we'll just comp... That's not what this is talking about. It's not a license to do that at all. The lesson here is not to don't judge. The lesson is, I am not the standard by which judgment is made. That's the lesson. But why do we become the standard by which judgment is made? Because of pride in our heart that we cannot even see. We don't realize what we are. It shows us that if we think we're something because we know some important people, or we think we're something because we know some principles and so on, people, listen, when we're focusing on people, our focus is wrong. The only thing that makes us something is our association with Jesus Christ. And that isn't because of anything good in me or what I know. It's only because of His undeserved, unmerited favor and grace in my life. May we always think of ourselves in a proper manner that I am undeserving, and only by the grace of God am I anything at all. Why do we get judgmental with other people? Why do we start nitpicking and picking apart and dissecting and this and that? Why do we do that? It's not, it's, it's, it's not, we're not talking about something unscriptural or unbiblical. We're talking about preferences. We're talking about things that, that maybe you would do different. Maybe you do think differently. So what? You understand what I'm saying? There are people who just trying to serve the Lord, just trying to do the best they can. Just trying to do, just trying to serve God and do it in Jesus' name. But the disciples were using themselves as the standard by which judgment was being made, not Jesus. Because Jesus clearly said, don't do that. Right? It means that they were in opposition to the way that Jesus thinks. Oh! So that you think differently than I do? I'm the standard, but wait a second. I should be more concerned about, am I thinking the same way that Jesus does? You understand what I mean? He's still the one with the focus. The only thing that makes us anything is our association with Jesus Christ. That proud spirit led to a judgmental spirit. And thirdly, we find that ultimately it resulted in a condemnatory spirit. Look at verse 51. And it came to pass. Now there's, there's probably a little bit of time that happens in between these things, but pride is still the issue. Jesus is still teaching a lesson here. And it came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messengers before his face. And they went and entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. And they did not receive him 
because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. And note this, verse 54, And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, even as Elias did? But he turned and rebuked them and said, Ye know not what manner of spirit ye are of. For the Son of Man is not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. You notice in verse 53 where the disciples were told to go into this village of the Samaritans and they're supposed to make ready for Jesus. They're on some important mission right now. They're doing the Lord's work. Okay? And they go into this village, and the Bible says that the Samaritans did not receive him. That's what the Bible says. But then you get to verse 54, and when his disciples, James and John, saw this, that they weren't receiving him, they said, Lord, wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, even as Elias did? You follow what's happening here? Now, in the beginning of the message, I mentioned that there was an ugly fruit that results from the seed of pride. And here it is. A condemnatory spirit. They were ready to just write these people off. They didn't receive us. They didn't receive the important work that we're doing. They didn't listen to what I had to say. And so they were said, Lord, should we just call down fire and consume them? They're a waste of our time. You see, if we allow pride to fester, we'll become judgmental by believing we're the ultimate standard. And if we don't repent of that, and we allow ourselves to continue with a judgmental spirit, we will allow time for the full bloom of pride, and that's a condemnatory spirit. Now notice who this is. The Bible says this is James and John, two of the closest people to the Lord, part of His inner circle. You following me? And notice what they said, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven and consume them? Clearly, pride is still an issue, but I'm using condemnatory spirit here because look how easy it was for them to just write these people off because they did not receive or listen to what they had to say or do. Where would those people have ended up if James and John got their way? Yeah. Yeah. They would have ended up in hell for all eternity. But that didn't seem to matter to James and John at this point because their ego had been hurt. They didn't listen to what I had to say. They didn't receive what we're doing. And now these people are as if they're unimportant and they could basically die for all James and John cared at this point. You following that? 
What did Jesus say? How did Jesus respond to that attitude and that spirit? Notice verse 55. But he turned and rebuked them and said, Ye know not what manner of spirit ye are of. Now, do you remember where the Bible says here that Jesus had set his face as if he were going to Jerusalem? Remember that? He's on a mission. He's going someplace. And it was typical for the rabbi to walk out in front and the followers, the disciples, to be behind. And so you imagine the picture. Jesus is leading the way. He's on a mission. He has his face set to go to Jerusalem. All of this is going on, and the Bible says that Jesus turned. What does that mean? It means that Jesus stopped what he was doing so he could turn around and look at them in the eye, and he rebuked them. I don't think Jesus' response to all this is a light one. He uses some pretty strong words here. He says, Ye know not what manner of spirit ye are of. What does that mean? And I would say to those words coming from Jesus, I would say, wow! Because Jesus makes it pretty clear here, they weren't just having a bad day, there was something way deeper going on, something way more serious going on. It wasn't just a bad day, you've got a bad spirit. And your spirit is the opposite of what the Son of Man represents. You are not in agreement with Jesus Christ. You are not controlled by the Holy Spirit. You've got a different spirit altogether, and you can't even see what spirit you have. You think you're being spiritual. But in reality, pride has caused this and grown, and now you're at the point where you just can write people off. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Amen? John 3 says that God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. These people would have perished in eternity if James and John got their way. And I would simply say this, how easy and how quickly we can just write people off if they don't fall in line with our way of thinking and our way of doing. So often, what we present is my way or the highway kind of a spirit. And we use ourselves as the standard for which judgment is made. And it's not in agreement with Jesus Christ. That's not the spirit that Jesus had. Amen. And what a shame for words to be used to describe us like proud or judgmental or condemnatory. What a shame for God's people to have that kind of a spirit or that kind of a reputation 
you're a proud person. You're a judgmental person. You have a condemnatory spirit about you. What's going on here? May those words never be used to describe us, friend. But maybe they do. And we just don't see what kind of spirit we really have. Now, that's pretty hard. But I don't want to leave you with that. I want to show you something else. I want to show you actually my favorite part of this text. And it's the last part of verse 56. Jesus says in verse 56, For the Son of Man is not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And here it is. And they went to another village. I highlight that for this reason. It's a blessing to read the words they and not just Jesus. Like we could read, and Jesus went to another village. (laughs) After all that. But the Bible says they went to another village, and it tells us that they were still with the Lord. And it reminds me and it encourages me because you know what? There are times when I fail, and there are times when I have pride in my heart, and maybe there are even times when I have a judgmental attitude about me, and I don't want those things necessarily, but I can't even see the deceitfulness and the wickedness of my own heart, and all the while I think I'm spiritual, but in reality I'm in conflict with Jesus Christ, and I don't get it. But I need Him to show me. And I'm thankful that the Lord is faithful and the Lord is just to forgive me of my sin when I confess it to Him. And I'm thankful that He'll cleanse me from that unrighteousness. And I'm thankful that He won't just leave me by the side of the road because that's not what He did with His disciples. Jesus didn't say, well... I thought I could use you guys, but man, you're a bunch of jerks, and you failed. No, Jesus chastened them. He rebuked them because he loved them, and then he continued on with them. Amen? And he used them for his kingdom, and he used them for his glory. And may we be encouraged by this, this afternoon, that we serve the same kind of Lord. And instead of responding in a prideful way to a message like this, or to, we ought to examine our own heart and we ought to say, Lord, is there that tendency in me? Have I missed it? Do I not see it? Or, or, or Lord, if there is, forgive me of my sin. Help me to be more like Jesus Christ. And I know He'll forgive me and He'll take me and still use me for His glory if I respond with a humble heart to Him. You might be here this afternoon, you might be convicted in your heart today on some level because you can see that you've had that tendency in your life in a bad spirit that you've had about you. Well, I would simply tell you there's forgiveness with the Lord and there is change in Him. What you need to do, instead of rejecting the message or responding in pride, you need to admit what's there. You need to confess it as sin, and you need to ask the Lord to change that which is in you to be more like Him, and He will. Do you know, and I know you know this, but do you know 
that if all of us would respond that way to the Lord Jesus Christ, do you know that conflicts and confrontations and attitudes, all of it would just begin to disappear within the Lord's church? Our focus would be on Him. Our rivalries would cease. They would stop drawing attention away from Christ and put emphasis on Christ. And there would be love for the brethren. There would be a common bond in Jesus Christ. Hearts would be knit together of the same mind. And guess what? The Lord is going to take that and He's going to multiply that and He's going to use that through the power of His Spirit to bring Him glory through His church. Amen. We would do well to say, okay, Lord, examine my heart. See if there be any wicked way in me. And take it to Him. Because here's the truth. We're not, we're not as spiritual as we think we are. We don't have it as figured out as we think we do. We don't know. And we need to have that spirit and attitude about us. Lord, I just, I'm nothing without you or by your grace. I just want to serve you. I just want to please you. I just want to serve others and love others. I'm not the standard by which judgment is made. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Help us to apply it. May we have the heart to examine what is in me. And Lord, may my response to you be, Lord, that I am nothing without you. It's my wonderful privilege to be saved by your grace, to serve you, to have purpose in my life. I don't need to be the judge of anybody else. And I'm certainly not the standard by which judgment is made. You are. And so, Lord, may your will be done in my life and in other people's. Help me to serve you, to please you, to be humble before you. In Jesus' name, amen.